podcast ready? We're ready to go. Children ages 4 to 12, or things 4 to 12 can be dismissed to go to children's church this time. Um, I would title this message Perspective Point because we found a whole different place in our house this week. Um, on Monday, can y'all hear me? On Monday, we went to the, I, I was, was going to come to church. I got to flip out of work on Monday, which means I get to go home early. The first time I told my wife that I flipped out, it's the term that they use it for. First time I told my wife that I flipped out, she said, what happened? Do you still have a job? She thought, she thought something bad happened at work. But, but flip out means they have extra people that they, that they brought in, and they, they ask people to go home so they don't have to pay everybody for the day. So I got to go home early on Monday. So I went home early on Monday, and I went home and went back to bed for just a little bit, and it was great, and it was wonderful, and I got refreshed a little bit. Um, then my wife kept me up late on Monday night, so it was all for naught. So. <laughs> However, I, I got ready to come back to the church. I usually come to the church. This is my prayer closet. It's a really big, nice prayer closet, but I love to come here and lay on the floor or sit in the chairs wherever God has me to be at. Sometimes it's in the office. Sometimes it's in wherever it's at. Um, but, but God will have me pray in some place. I, I, I try to be led by the Spirit, and, and I want to hear from God when I come here and be in His presence. So I told Brenda, I'm going to go, I'm going to, go to the church. And she said, what do you want to go to the church for? Is God of the church? I mean, remember what I preached about last week? Y'all remember that? To be in his presence, you have to realize that you are in his presence. So she said, what's wrong? Is God at the church? He's not here with you? I said, touche, you got me. I'm going to take a chair. I'm going to take a chair, and I'm going to go back and sit in the woods then. I'm going to sit back there and have that as my quiet place. There's a place, if you haven't been to my house, our yard is three acres, and there's a creek in the back, and there's a place back there that we mow behind the creek. It's just one corner of our yard. We mow, but there's nothing back there, and nobody really goes back there too often. Um, however... I took my chair and I went all the way to the back corner of the property and I sat down there and I was just sitting there watching for a while and I was praying to God and, and, and I was looking just to be in his presence. I wasn't looking for anything from God, just, just to be with him, just to get to know him a little better. So I went in there and I sat down with God and, and, and I was talking to him and, and Caleb was out there. I've been, I, we have chores for our kids to do. Caleb is, is to pick up rocks and we live on a hill that I think they should have had a rock quarry there instead of selling to someone to build a house on. But Caleb was out there with a the pickaxe, and he's digging rocks up out of the yard. And Kylie's picking rocks up out of the driveway because that's one of her chores. They get paid to do it. She's pulling a wagon with two, the two little girls with rocks in the wagon, and they're bringing it down, and we're, and we're putting it all on a bonfire pit. And that thing's about double or triple in size this year. It's getting taller. Um, however, it gets much taller. My wife's not going to be able to see over it into the fire. That was a short joke. She's a five-footer. So I was sitting there watching my kids do all these things, and the girls were talking and, and running around, and, and Caleb's out there working, and I could see the fire pit, and I could see the picnic table that I built my wife, and I could see the swimming pool, I could see the chicken house, where, where my target range is, where I shoot at, I could see just the whole place. It was a different perspective than where I've been looking at it from. You get what I'm saying? Because, because I've been working, I could see the back of the barn, I could see the house, I could see all these things, and, and from the perspective I've been having is, we've been working a lot of hours, we've been putting a lot of hours in, so I go to work and I come home. The perspective I've had is, I pull up the driveway, I go inside, I sit on the couch for a little bit, I eat my dinner and I go to bed. I shower and I leave and do it again the next day. So my perspective, that driveway is pretty small when you just look at the driveway even though it's kind of long if you've been at my house. So, so the driveway is pretty small, but when I'm sitting there looking at all these trees, and it, this three acres has around 300 trees on it. And we, if you haven't been to my house before, we just cut the trees up where we can walk underneath the trees. We cut all the small brushy stuff out. It just has the bigger trees where you can walk under them. And, and that's just how we like it. We think that's great. And, and a lot of people wouldn't think much of a, an old rocky hill with a bunch of trees on it. But to us, that's kind of paradise. I think our, I think our yard is really, really cool. But I lost that perspective of thinking that about it. 
Because I got used to just pulling up the driveway, going in and going to bed and doing it again. Are you following me? So I had to go back. So, so it wasn't long. I was calling Brent on the phone and said, what are you doing? You need to come back here. God had spoken to me, and, I, and, I, and he had me thanking him for all this stuff. I'm looking at all these things that we have and these kids that we have, and they're all healthy, and they're out there. They're, they're growing up in this yard that they probably think is gigantic. I, I, I remember play, play, playing in my grandparents' yard, and it was a corner lot in Rayville, and it seemed huge to me at the time. And when I, when I drive by it now, it's not much of a lot at all. So I can imagine this is bigger than any yard I ever had growing up. So I can imagine what my kids think of this place and just how awesome it is. And it's because God gave it to us. It's not because we're anything, and we're not even in debt, really, big to have this place or anything, right? It's, it'll be paid off in just a few years. So I called my wife and said, you, and I was thanking God for these things, and I said, you need to come back here. Get a chair and come back here. So she came back and sat down beside me, and I started explaining to her. All, I said, look at our kids. First, I had to run the kids off because they tried to follow her back, too. But I said, pretty soon they just fall back into what they were doing. And I said, look at the kids. Look at our kids. Look at this and look at this. And you have this pool and you got a deck there by it. And all these things that God's given us to us. But so many times we lose, we lose perspective of where we're really at. We don't think about where, what, what, what we really have and what God's provided. I'm not just talking about material things. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about look at the church that God's given you to come to. Look at the people sitting around you that love you. They don't expect things in return. They just love you. Because God's love shines through them. You see what I'm saying? So, so much that we have to be thankful for. We have, we have a family to be thankful for. We have a house to be thankful for. We have a, a yard and everything in it, and, and we're not in debt. But what more should we, ha- what, 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 what should we have to be thankful for more than God spending every moment with us? God living inside of us. If you haven't figured out yet, I'm preaching on being thankful today and looking at things from a different perspective. Because sometimes we get, we, we get complacent with things and we have to get back to a different perspective. We have to go back in the back corner where we don't usually go to, where we can see the picture from a different perspective and realize what we really have. Realize what God's really provided for us and, and the relationship that, he's, that, that we have with, with him. He lives inside of us. He's everywhere with us all the time. What more should I be thankful for than that? The God of the universe lives inside of me. He sent his son to die a horrible, painful death so that I could be saved and reconciled back to him. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 says this. You'll recognize this from last week, part of it. This is 16. Rejoice always, right? I thought Jesus wept was the shortest verse in the Bible, but this one ties it, right? Rejoice always. So we should have joy all the time, right? Ongoing. Come on, sis. Pray without ceasing. Remember this from last week? That means you pray all the time, never stopping. That doesn't mean you have to have your knee bowed and on the ground all the time. Are you following me? But, but if, if you realize, if we would recognize that God is in us and he's around us, he's omnipresent everywhere all the time, we could just talk to him like we're talking to a friend. We could hear from him all the time. Every good re- relationship reciprocates, just like with my spouse, right? When me and Brenda are going along, she talks, I talk. She talks, I talk all day long. We don't wait. We, we don't have a big conversation in the morning. Then we wait till lunchtime to talk to each other again. But it's continuous. It's ongoing. Pray without ceasing, without stopping. Communication with God without stopping. And 18 says this. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Through Jesus. It has to come through Jesus. But it's the will of God for us to do these three things, right? What were they? To have joy. To have prayers. Rejoice. Or, ha- or to have joy. To, to, to pray and be thankful all the time. Right? All these things said all the time in all things. Pray without ceasing, right? So 
our, our joy and our prayers and our thankfulness then shouldn't fluctuate because of our circumstances. Amen. They shouldn't fluctuate because of our feelings. Because our circumstances and our feelings are not the source of our joy, our prayer, and our thanksgiving. It's our relationship. That's the source of it. Through the relationship with God and his love shining through me. Right? Joy and prayer and thankfulness go, uh, often goes against our feelings. Because we'll have, when, when things are happening in our situation, in our circumstances, right? We don't want to be joyful. We don't, we don't want to pray at the time. My wife tells me all the time, I need a minute just to be mad about this. Can you leave me alone? Are you following me? Or we'll get busy with something and we'll forget to pray. Because we're taking care of it ourselves. So, so it goes against what we want to do. It goes against our feelings. But when we make a conscious decision to do what God says, what God say? He said, pray without ceasing, right? He said, be joyous all the time. He said, be thankful in what? In all things, right? In all things, give thanks. Constantly thanking him for what he does. So when we make a conscious decision to do what God says, when we do the will of God, isn't that the will of God? These words are from him. When we do the will of God, uh, we see people and circumstances different because our perspective changes. We'll have a different perspective when we're doing the will of God. When we're doing our will, when I do Forrest's will, it's easy to get disgruntled with people, right? It's easy to get discouraged with people, with God, with my situation, with the circumstances. But when I'm doing God's will, are you following me? Does that make sense to you? So when I'm doing God's will, I have a different perspective of people and circumstances, of different situations. So I didn't have to come to the church. I went to what we, we said we need to call this place. We talked about when we were back there in the corner of our property, Pour a little concrete right there. Or we have enough rocks, we can make a little rock patio and put in a bench right there. Are you following me? And naming it Perspective Point. That when we lose the perspective of what God's really given to us, go back and set it Perspective Point. And you, you can relate this to spiritually too, right, Sister Linda? Sometimes we got to go back to Perspective Point and look at what God's really done for us again. Look at what we really have again. With our, in our relationship with God, in our families, in, in, in our material things that we have, in, in everything that we have, our health, whatever God's given us. Does that make sense? Am I, am I conveying that right? So um, there's a second part to the scripture. It says, in everything, give thanks. In everything, give thanks. So God doesn't author evil, right? We're all in agreement on that. God doesn't author evil, right? So, so don't thank him for bad things that come along. I'm not saying that. In everything, give thanks. That doesn't mean thank God for something terrible that happens to you, does it? So, so what's he saying here with this then? He's saying, thank God because he's there with you. Because even though evil things happen and bad things happen, God's right here with us all the time. He's right here with us. And for what he'll accomplish through the evil. Thank him that he's there and thank him for what he's going to cause to come out the other side of this evil that happens in this. Right? So 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 7 says this. Now godliness... What's godliness? We just talked about it, right? What's the will of God? Rejoice, pray, and be thankful. Doing what God asks us to do. That's being godliness, though, right? So, so now godliness with contentment is great gain. What is it? Godliness is doing God's will, right? Whatever it may be. This is just one piece of it that we're talking about today. There's a lot of other things the Bible tells us is God's will, right? This means yes. Y'all sleeping on me today? Am I boring you yet? God's will is, or godliness is doing God's will. 
Right? Okay. So if we're doing God's will with contentment, it says, it's two parts, doing God's will with contentment. I looked up the word contentment for you, the definition for it. It means not desiring more than one has. Satisfied. Now, that doesn't mean you can't desire everything. It just means you're satisfied with what you got. And it doesn't mean to be so satisfied with what you got that you never move forward either. Right? With your relationship with God, mainly I'm talking about. So, so, so it's to be satisfied. It, it, one person put it this way. Not having everything you want, but wanting everything you have. Right? Focus on what you have, not what you don't have. Right? <clears throat> because uh, grace is a great example of this right here. Nothing is good enough for grace. She can have so many toys in her hand, she can't hold another toy, but she'll see Joe have something, and she'll want what Joe has too, right? She hasn't understood this yet. She hasn't understood this concept yet, that, that, that her joy and all these things are in God. Your contentment is in God, right? It's not in material things. It's not in the natural things. And I can pick on my five-year-old, but we all do it. We all want more. We do from time to time. We, we may be satisfied for a period of time or for a season, but sooner or later... You want something. You're going to want more. I'm, I'm not talking down to you because I'm going to want more. I'm, t- I'm the world's worst about it. I love car parts. My wife picked on us a little bit in Sunday school this morning. And she gave me a paper that said car parts because she knows I'm not patient about them. We're all going to want something, right? We're all going to want something sooner or later. So, so if we realize that our contentment is in God, when, it, when we realize our contentment is in God, in God it's already done. It's already complete and it's already whole. Are you following me? But in the natural, we have to continue to, to obtain, right? When we're doing it in the natural, we have to continue to obtain. We have to continue to, to, to seek things out and look for things. Let's stop right here and pray, can we? I just feel like we need to pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Daddy. We love you and we praise you, Father God. Spirit of confusion, I command you to flee from this place right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Any foul spirit that's in this house today, you flee from here. You've got no place from here. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get out of here. We thank you for this, Father. We thank you for this authority, and we just praise your name, Lord. I pray that you would soften our hearts today, Lord. Prepare us to receive from you, Father. Let this service be all of you, Father God, and nothing from us, Daddy. We pray this to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. We thank you, Daddy. So if we realize that our contentment is in God, it's already done. It's already complete and it's already holds. Nothing we have to, when it's in God, there's nothing we have to do for, for it besides have that relationship with him. That's easy to do, right? Have a relationship with God. But if it's in the natural, we have to continue to contain it I ha- I, or, or to, to obtain it. I have to continue to go out and get those things. Make money to get those car parts, right? There's got to be a means to it. So we're continuing to work on that thing. And what's it do? It takes us away from our relationship, right? So in verse 7 says this, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we carry nothing out. Our contentment is not in worldly things. It's not in worldly gains. That's not where it's at. It's in God. It's easy to get on the other side of the fence. But we have to continue to bring ourselves back here. Look at it from a new perspective. My contentment has to be in God. Hebrews 13 and 5. I'm putting these scriptures together for you today, hopefully. Let your, let your conduct be without covetousness. Right? Not, not seeking after things all the time. Be content. There's that word content again. With such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. If God says himself, he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Shouldn't we be content just in that? Just in that one sentence right there. Totally content just because I know that God's always going to be here for me. By him. It also says by him. 
for he himself said, oh, I'm on the wrong scripture there. Third, uh, uh, it's in him, make every way, all things work together for the good, the, the, those, all things work together for those who love the Lord. There's a scripture that says that. So it's in him, we should be content in him, right? Because he'll make a way. Because he'll make a way, because all things work together for those who love the Lord, because he does that for us. Hebrews 13 and 15 says this. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So let's break this down a little bit here. So, Therefore, by him, who's him? Jesus. Jesus. Therefore, by Jesus, let us, that's us, the Christians, right, continually offer the sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise, we should be continually praising him and thanking him to God that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name or to his name. We're talking about God there, right? Giving thanks to God's name. So by him, let us continually, the word says, continually. That means ongoing, right? Just like pray without ceasing does. Ongoing all the time. Constantly praising him and thanking him. It goes right along with pray without ceasing and, and that long distance. This message, I realized when I was sitting at Perspective Point that this message goes right along with last week's message. Are you following me? Because they go right together. These are things that we have to do constantly, spending time with God, praying to God, seeking God, being joyful in his presence because of his presence, not because of the situation, because of his presence, being joyful, and then thanking him for that continuously. This word right here says continually. So Friday, I was on my way to work. And I was looking up, it's dark outside when I'm headed to work, and there was a great big full moon. Any of y'all were up Friday morning, and there was just a few little faint clouds going through the moon you could see on, on, in front of the moon. And it was just so awesome, and, and, and it was just on a big grand scale. I mean, it was just huge sitting right in front of you lit up. And I just got to thinking about how big God is, how huge God is to just create this moon and these clouds. And they're, I don't even know how far away, but it's huge. It's huge, and this earth he created, and, and he created us, and he made all these things just for us to be here. Just, do you realize if the moon wasn't as close to the earth that things would happen bad, and, and the sun has to be exactly 93 million miles from the earth, or, or, or bad things would happen, we need to freeze or burn up? All those things he made for us to be here living this, and I, I was just thanking God for how big he is, and thanking him for making this for it, and, and, I, and I ended up praying, and I asked God, you know, sometimes we see things in the sky, and we'll be like, oh Lord, please forgive me, if this is Jesus getting ready to step out of the cloud, I want to be ready, it wasn't that time for me, but I did, I, and these things that I was thanking God for, I did start to pray, and I asked him to forgive me if I had any sins on me, if I've sinned at all, God, if I have any sin charged to me, please forgive me of them today, and, and the Spirit quick at me right that time and he caused me to realize that we sometimes become complacent with our salvation that's what the whole message is about today i just want to show you some scripture to get you here we sometimes become complacent with our salvation just like i became complacent with pulling up my driveway sometimes we need to look at our salvation from a different perspective if, if god never did anything else again though or he sent his son jesus to die a horrible painful death the most horrific death that man could dream up. He sent Jesus here to die that death so that I could be saved, so that I could be born again. Church, we need to realize that we've already received more than we deserved. He's already done it for us. If he never does another thing, I should be able to be thankful to him just for my salvation. That and that alone should hold my attention until he steps back out on the cloud, until I go by the grave like my, like my wife taught in Sunday school today. So when we become complacent with our salvation, guess what happens next? You already know this. You already know this, but God just, he just made it click with me. When we become content with our salvation, we start to not live right. 
We start, to, we start to slip up a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, and pretty soon we're further away than we planned on being. Are you following me? So we don't live right if we become complacent. If we become complacent, though, we need to look at our salvation through a different perspective. How do we get there, preacher? We need to have an attitude of gratitude continually. How can we be in the presence of the Almighty God and not be in awe of Him? Think about that. You ever been praising God and thanking God and He just shows up and fills your car up? Or, or you're in an awesome church service and God just shows up and people are slain in the spirit and, and, and maybe someone's healed or, or, or maybe just the spirit, just the presence of the Lord just comes down all around you and just fills it up. How could you not be in awe of him at that time? How can we not be in awe? So, so we should be thanking him and praising him continuously. And if we do, it'll be easy because we're in awe of him. Right? And we should be able to do that just because of our salvation. So, so I'm talking about communion today. You guys have seen the trades out. I've heard several people commenting about it. I want, to, I want to try to pull you over to look at, a different, look at your salvation through a different perspective because, or, or by, by looking at communion, sort of a, a, a perspective point, right? Yeah. Jesus was getting ready to be poured out as an offering. It was the Passover. Are you following me? It was the Passover. And, and, and during the Passover, the first Passover was what? You all know, right? They took the blood of the lamb, the, angel, the, the, the death angel was going to come by and kill all the firstborn. It was one of the plagues that was, that was on uh, Egypt because Pharaoh wouldn't release Israel to come out of it. So he said, take a lamb, take the blood of the lamb, sacrifice that. There had to be a sacrifice for the Passover, for the angel to pass over. Sacrifice the lamb, take the blood of the lamb and wipe it on the doorpost and then eat the lamb. It has to be gone by the evening. Details of it. Some, some of them had to share it with the neighbor, however. But they took that blood. It was because of the blood that the death wasn't applied to them. Right, they applied the blood to the to the doorway, and then the blood, then it would then the, it would flower. So so or the angel would go over. So Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. This Passover that we're talking about was the last one that we have to observe in that way because there doesn't have to be any more sacrifice. His sacrifice, his blood is good enough from now till the end of time till he comes back. One drop of his blood is enough to save all of mankind. There's that much power in his blood because he is the ultimate sacrifice. That being said, at the Lord's Supper that night, he had them go out and get, get, the, get the room and all the things available. He prophesied, Jesus did basically, and said, they said, well, where do you want us to have? He, he put three disciples, I think it was three, in, in charge of preparing the Lord's Supper and prepare, of preparing this Passover. It was, it was a feast that they recognized. Are you following me? I'm explaining this a little bit because I had someone ask this morning, what's that about? They didn't, they didn't know what communion was, so I'm explaining this a little bit. So, so he put three disciples in charge of this and told them to go get this place to do this, right? So they said, well, where do you want us to do that, Lord? How do you want us to prepare the meal? How do you want us to do these things? So he said, uh, Jesus told them, go into the city and there'll be a man carrying water. When, when you see where he's going with the water, follow him into the house. Ask the, ask the master of the house, where can we have this Passover feast? My master sends me to do this. So he gave him a room to do this, and it was a furnished room, the Bible says. So they went up there, and Jesus began the feast. and he began, or they, they began to eat, and he, he, was, he told them that, that they broke the bread, which represents his body, and they ate of the bread. And then they took the wine, and, they, and they, it represented his blood. It was a new covenant, actually, it says. Jesus said to do this in remembrance of me. We'll cover this here again in a little bit. But, but there's also a warning that goes along with this. They have to, you, you need to be right. You need to be right with God. Are you following me? Or, or things can happen. Uh, go on to the next verse. Here's a warning for this, though. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 31 says this. Therefore... Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the blood and or be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. 
But let a man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Could someone go down and release the kids downstairs? Okay, come on. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. And this word sleep means death. 31 says, for if we, if, we ju- if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So he's saying, what he's saying right here is look into yourself. Look into your own hearts today and make sure that you're right with God before you take of this communion today that we're going to take. Right? If you're not right with God, don't take the communion. You have a couple options. Don't take the communion or make it right with God before you take the communion. He's saying you judge yourself. Because if you, take, if you take the communion without being right by God, bad things can happen. That's what it says in the Word, right? Yeah. Right? So if there's something wrong between you and God, let's take this opportunity to make it right today. Maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. If you were to die right now, this day, right now, do you know that you know that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're on your way to heaven? Do you know that? Can you say yes to that? If you don't, could I see your hand? I'll go further with you. Thank you for the hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? All right, guys. Here's what you do next. If you want to make it right with God today, it's real simple. It's not a big fancy prayer. It's real easy. I'll do it with you. The Bible says you've got to believe a few things. You've got to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You've got to believe that he died on the cross for your sins. You have to believe that you're a sinner first. He died on the cross for your sins. You have to believe that, he, that God rose him from the dead. And he's coming back for, he's coming back for us someday. Amen. It's that simple. And it says you have to confess that with your mouth. Right? So if we could, let's do that this time, can we? If you don't know God or whether you're just recommitting to God, whichever it is, if you'd say this prayer with us, you can be saved right now. Father, we thank you for this day. And I praise you, Daddy. So just repeat after me if you would. Father, Father I'm, a I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I know that your son Jesus died on a cross for my sin. I know you rose him from the dead. I know he's coming back for me. Please live in my heart. Lead me and guide me the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As far as children go with communion, can I get the people who are going to serve today come up? Sister Tanya, I didn't get a chance to talk to you, but come. I need four of you. So as far as children go, we allow, I think, Caleb, we, we allow to make a decision because he's 12. He understands what's going on. The younger kids, we don't allow them to do it. That's up to you. I'm not telling you who can and who can't. But if they don't really understand what's going on, I don't want bad things happening with my kids. This is a very serious thing. But we're doing this to get perspective of our salvation, right? We know that Christ came and died on a cross. He laid his life down for you and for me. Go ahead and serve the people if you would. He did it for us, though. And we need, to, we need to take the time to remember this from time to time. We may not do it enough. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the men that I talked about last week, who had performed several, God used him to perform several miracles. miracles. His, uh, he does communion every day just to remind himself, as several people do. He was, just, he was just one of the famous people that did it. Do communion every day to remind themselves of who they are and why they're there. Thank you, Daddy. We praise you, Father.